0: Hello, welcome back to Major Investigators. Today we have a special guest. Find out more about who it is in the next segment. Hello, Chelly. Thank you for being a guest on my podcast and taking the time to talk with me today. So, I noticed that you're a senior crime scene investigator, which is really, really cool. (laughs) Anyway, can you tell us what do you do as a Senior Crime Scene Investigator? Hi,
1: good morning. I um, So actually the the title really just means I'm old. It just means I've been at the Montgomery County Crime Lab for a really long time. Um, And so I have the most tenure here, uh, which gives me that Senior Crime Scene Investigator title. Um, and other than that, it really, it really doesn't mean anything. I, um, have been here in the crime lab for 19 years. I've been at the agency for 24. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a lot of birthdays that have passed since I came to
0: work here. Well, I think that is very interesting, but like, is it dangerous being a crime scene investigator?
1: So I am a police officer. I I promoted um, into the crime lab from patrol. So I used to drive around in a police car and answer radio dispatch calls. So inherently being a police officer does come with with a perceived danger. Not really that, you know, it's my day to day job is dangerous, but there's always That potential just by being a uniformed police officer. Uh, Because even as a crime scene investigator, we still wear a uniform and a gun belt. And so, by all appearances, it looks like we are just like our our patrol officers. Um, But usually, when I get to a crime scene, you know, there is so many other uniformed police officers that, you know, all, all the danger is has already been dealt with by the time I get there. So I would say normally, no, it's not dangerous being a crime scene investigator, but any danger that could occur as being in a uniform um, and identifying as a police officer, there's always that possibility.
0: Mm. <laughs> okay that is that is interesting hopefully hopefully that makes sense yes it does make sense so like uh oh, so you are you carry around about so it looks scary but it's not technically that dangerous
1: right so i mean it's just any anything that could occur because someone identifies me as a police officer, yeah, right. So if, if they are, if there's a bad guy and he is, you know, thinking that he's going to rob a store and I walk in and he identifies me as a as a uniform police officer and decides, uh-oh, you know, <laughs> then that could become a dangerous situation for me. Um, But normally, in the course of my job, going to crime scenes, our patrol officers have already dealt with anything that could be potentially dangerous at that scene. So by the time I get there, it really kind of keeps me out of harm's way. Okay.
0: Thank you for explaining that. So, moving on to the next question. What inspired you to be a crime scene investigator?
1: Well, that is a great question because I didn't know that I wanted to be a crime scene investigator. I was a, like I said, a a patrol officer and um, I had been recommended by some of the other crime scene investigators that had already come in that were working in the crime lab. And they had um, recognized some of my work that I had done while I was on patrol. And so when there was an opening, they had recommended that that maybe I should come in here. Um, And so I got a phone call from the commander, the crime scene commander. uh, And her name was Peggy or is Peggy Frankhauser. Um, She has since retired, but she said that, you know, I, I had been recommended and would I be interested? And I had never thought about being a crime scene investigator. And so that's what kind of got me thinking about that. And so I, I took the job, I took the promotion, and I came in, and, and um, I've been working really hard for the last 19 years to, to try to be the best that I can be.
0: Congratulations. That is very cool. Thank you. So I noticed that you are a... Bloodstain pattern analyst. Um, I am. I plan on being a bloodstain pattern analyst too. So that
1: can, is fantastic.
0: Can you explain what bloodstain pattern analysis is in your own words? Sure. So,
1: um, blood stain pattern analysis is the um, documentation observation of Blood stains found on physical evidence and at crime scenes, and by that I mean we look at their the size of the individual drops and droplets, um, their shape. So whether they're circular, they look like a sun, or they're elliptical and they look like um, you know they they look tall and skinny. And then we're going to look at how. What their distribution is, so um, how all those droplets are are arranged on, you know, a on a wall or on a floor or on on types of evidence. So, you know, do they go every which way? Do they radiate? Where they look like, you know, um, you know, half of an hourglass or a bow tie or something like that, and then. Um, You know, are they, are, is it just a big stain? Is it, you know, um, there's lots of different characteristics on, you know, how they're, if they're individual or if they're spatters, do they, you know, what do they look like? Um, Are they in in a line? So do they have some kind of linear aspect to them? And then their location, so where are they at? So all of those things, Um, we, we document all of those different characteristics in hopes that we can identify a, you know, a pattern classification. And once we identify a pattern classification, then we can start to get, um, information on the, the mechanism that could have created those patterns. So, you know, is it. You know, is that something that is, you know, is this pattern consistent with someone that is, you know, being beaten? Is it consistent with someone that's being shot? Is it consistent with someone that has an injury and is just dripping blood onto a surface? And so, you know, that being a blood stain pattern analyst is someone that just looks at, you know, blood stains and tries to determine a an event that occurred to create those bloodstains.
0: Yes. Thank you for making that more clear than what I've read because that was very complicated what I read. So thank you. Anyways, are all crime scene investigators blood stain pattern analysts?
1: That is a great question, and the answer to that is no, they're not. Um, here at the Montgomery County Crime Lab, all of our crime scene investigators have had some degree of bloodstain training, um, you know, because not all of us have been here the same length of time. And so, you know, the, the amount of training that they have is dependent on how long they've actually been a crime scene investigator. Um, It it takes a really long time to get somebody trained to become a bloodstain pattern analyst. And with that amount of training, there's a cost that comes to that because you have to pay to send them to training. You've got to pay to, you know, send them to all of the, the other classes that they need. And those you know that that is not something that a lot of agencies are willing to spend on each crime scene investigator because there's so many other things that we have to have training in besides blood stain pattern analysis like fingerprints and photography and evidence collection and preservation and you know so there's a lot of of different forensic disciplines that require crime scene investigators to know about um and so currently you know they i have i i am the bloodstain pattern analyst for the montgomery county sheriff's office
0: oh, cool so you, yeah. so you are the bloodstain um pattern analyst for the um, whatever you just said office country sheriff for the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office yes for that cool cool that's cool so I also read the article about Joe Bryan um can you tell us how you figured out that police detective Robert Thorman was wrong in your own words
1: sure so that was a super important case that um, I came about getting involved with because I was asked to review it by the Texas Forensic Science Commission. And when I specifically, they asked me to look at the bloodstain testimony that was given by a detective and by a lab analyst um, in his trials. And so when I read his report, um, the detectives report and then I read the trial testimony, fundamentally everything that was written and that was testified to was wrong. Um, the analysis was incorrect. The, the, meca- the um, You know, the, the application of the formulas uh was wrong and so when i read that that's immediately what i recognized is that that there were people that testified to things that were that were incorrect and those things that they testified to in part um was the reason that he was found guilty and so Um, The sad part about all of that is that Joe had been in prison for, at the time, 33 years before I reviewed those documents. And so he just sat there in prison and just waited for, you know, finally the um, Texas Forensic Science Commission to take his case and then have somebody look at that aspect of it.
0: Thank you for, um, saying that from your perspective because when I read the article, it was from a different perspective than the person who actually read the review and freed Joe, so thank you. You're welcome. And for
1: people and who... And actually, the, the person that wrote the article is a friend of mine, oh. and, um, Pam Koloff, she's the author of, of several articles about Joe, and, um... So yeah, so she definitely, you are correct that she writes from a completely different perspective on um, blood state pattern analysis. Yeah. And um, her and I have had lots and lots and lots of, of very spirited discussions, um, but she is a very dear friend of mine and I appreciate everything that she did to bring light to Joe's story. Uh, her Her articles are, very
0: well written, and um, she does an amazing job. Yes, she does. She explained lots of things. And for people who do not know about um, Joe Bryan's case, I will include it in the description, so make sure you go and read the article. Anyways, was this part of the Innocence Project because he was innocent and he stayed in jail for so long?
1: So I believe that the, the, the case was worked through on, on Joe's side, so his attorneys um, did represent the Innocence Project when they filed the complaint with the Texas Forensic Science Commission. However, my part of that was actually worked on behalf of the Texas Forensic Science Commission and then I became a witness for Joe. Um, However, I remained in my current position as a bloodstain pattern analyst for the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office. So it wasn't, I didn't work for the Innocence Project on this, on Joe's case. I was just a representative for the Texas Forensic Science Commission on behalf of the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office.
0: Okay. Cool, still is very interesting. And have you ever collaborated with the Innocence Project?
1: Um, I, I have talked with them. I've talked with, with several people um, from the Innocence Project. I, I was able to work with Joe's attorneys, um, Skip Reeves and Jesse Freud, um, who were the attorneys for Joe. Um, I have also spoke with um, some other Innocence Project attorneys, and um, just on some other cases that they've they've had and and you know needed somebody to look at. But um, as far as working for the Innocence Project, I have not.
0: Okay, thank you. So this is. The next question, what are some things you like or love about being a blood pattern analyst and a crime scene investigator?
1: Oh, that is that is a, a great question. We could have a podcast for eight hours just on, <laughs> on that question alone. So to keep it brief, you know, I... I have loved my entire law enforcement career um, that has spanned, you know, 25 years. Um, And I I love the part that every morning when I get up and I get dressed for work, I never know what the day is going to, you know, what what the day has in store for me. And, and so with that in mind, um, you know, every day, like, you know, you, you really can't have an off day, right? Like if you know, sometimes in life when you wake up and you just you're just not feeling it right and you kind of just try to make it through the day. Okay. That that's not something that that we can have because any given day you are dealing with someone else's someone else's life. Either, you know, on a on a crime scene that I go to Right. If I, if I'm distracted or I'm irritated because, you know, my soon to be 13 year old daughter, you know, misses her bus or, you know, something like that, where, where I'm distracted, I could miss something that becomes crucially important to a victim or, you know, or even a defendant in a case, right? If I, if I miss a piece of evidence that could exonerate, a potential suspect because I was distracted by something that happened in my personal life. That's bad. And so, you know, every day I, I've got to be the best. I've got to be, you know, on my, on my best game. I've got to be focused. I've got to eliminate any, any distraction that could be happening. Um, you know, and, and if, there are days where you know you're not feeling well or something's you know something's going on those are days that you don't need to come to work you need to stay at home and you need to deal with whatever it is that that is happening because when you come to work and you're distracted or you're you're not feeling well and so that's causing you not to operate at your full your your best ability then potentially you could be affecting someone else's life and um and so i've always taken that very seriously and you know it's it is definitely a job that you you don't just do the job from 8 to 5 monday through friday it is a it is a life choice because it potentially is seven days a week 365 days a year and you know that that is a choice early on that you have to make is are you willing to you know commit your life to a really important job um because if you're not then this is not the job for you you know if if you just want a job that you have weekends off and holidays off and and you know you can just you know kind of it just is enough that it you know it's like it's just a means to pay your bills then that this is not the job that you should take it, it's it's only for the people that have you know the dedication and determination to and commitment it really takes a a commitment you know because of the time that it takes you know to get trained and, and to do the work that we do so I mean, it has been an amazing, an amazing career. It has been, you know, so rewarding for, you know, victims and victims' families. Um, And just, you know, it's been rewarding for myself knowing that, that the amount of training that I've had helps other people.
0: Yes, so would you say that's the challenging part that you have to like go um, and go to work every day and like be prepared and not be affected by what's going on in your personal life?
1: You know, I I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's challenging. It's just that's what you know that has to be done when you go into it. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, it, it's not like a, it's not really a sacrifice or, or a challenge. It's just, it's a commitment. You know, you are committed to a, you know, you're committed to a, a job and you're trusted not only by you know, the sheriff and, and the command staff, but by the citizens of Montgomery County, that I'm in a position where they expect that I'm going to be on my best game. Okay,
0: thank you. It sounds like you're very committed to your jobs.
1: I I am. I am. I, I take this job very seriously.
0: Yes. Anyways, any advice for kids or anybody out there who are interested in becoming crime scene investigators and or blood spatter, blood stain pattern analysts?
1: So my recommendation would be that you know, you work really hard in school. You take as many science classes that you can take. And, um, you know, and most of all, that you just challenge yourself, you know, to be the, the best that you can be. And, um, you know, and, and you have to stop and you have to have fun and you have to, you know, you have to, to let yourself be a kid, but, you know, when, when you're in school and you're supposed to be studying that you're focused on studying, you're focused on, you know, good classes that will help you, you know, in, in good life choices, you know, and, and although, you know, everyone likes taking the easy road, you know, it's it's great to, to take classes that are easy, but It's the classes that you take that are, that challenge you that, you know, and it's the, you know, it's the, and that's just in life, right? It's, anyone can take the easy road. Anyone can take the easy classes, but it's those people that take the hard road and the hard classes and and that set, you know, that, that set themselves apart from everybody else. And so my advice would be that, you know, hard classes, you know, require extra studying, but the hard class that you take this semester and the hard class you take next semester and the hard class that you take the following, you know, like next fall, right? Those are three hard classes that have separated you from the people that only take the easy classes. And so those are building blocks that by the time that you graduate from high school or graduate from college right you have created such a gap from everyone else taking the easy road that it really it really sets you know sets the stage for doing great things and whether that's being a crime scene investigator or a blood stain pattern analyst or you know sending rockets into space or being a specialized surgeon or, you know, being a professor of a very prestigious college, you know, those are the things that that create those individuals. And it's just by challenging yourself to be the best
0: that you can be. Thank you for the advice. And also thank you for being here. I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did too. So Thank you once again. I appreciate it. And bye.
1: Thank you for having me. Bye.
0: Bye.